Hey, good morning once again, everybody. It's so great to have you with us today. We are uh, we're in week two of this series that we're calling Base Camp. And we've been, I would say, pretty transparent over the course of the last year about the journey that's in front of us as a church and where God's leading us and the fact that uh, we don't really know where that is. <laughs> but we know how to get there. Like, that's kind of the weird nuance of it. We don't know exactly where God's leading us, but we know how to get there because we know how to follow him. And that's really a part of what we're talking about in this base camp series. It's that we want to prepare for the journey that's in front of us. Last week, we talked about establishing our true north. God's word is, is that compass. It's, it's, it's what leads us. It's what guides us. It's so important as we're journeying anywhere in life that we're following the Lord and that he's, he's leading us in that Today, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk to you about finding your footing. I want to talk to you about uh, getting balanced and what that looks like. You know, any, anytime you walk somewhere, anytime that you, you, uh, you step out, especially if, if, it's, uh, if it's icy outside, if it's snowy, you, you walk so carefully. Are you like me where you're, you're like, you want to make sure that you have firm footing so something doesn't slip and and your balance is so important if you want to get anywhere without getting hurt along the way. If you actually want to arrive there, your balance is really important. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We live in a, an either-or world. There's propositions in our life that we get to choose one or the other. In fact, we're probably, you could say, a, an either-or society. In recent history, many people uh, in, in politics have either been Republican or Democrat, or they've been liberal or conservative. There's, there's a lot of either-ors in the world that we live in. And so I want to I see if I can maybe really hit home with you this morning as we start right away. Either Pepsi or Coke. Which one is it? How many, how many of you guys are Pepsi fans? How many of you guys are Coke fans? Well, that's about 50-50. Now, then there's the wild card, my wife. It's Dr. Pepper. Any Dr. Pepper fans? All right. Uh, you can either like sweet snacks or salty snacks. How many of you guys are sweet snack fans? You like the sweet? How many of you guys are the salty? <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, you can either like coffee or you can be weird. That's just the way that it is. Uh, you know I'm kidding, kind of. You can either like the Denver Broncos or you can be wrong. I've got to get an amen on that. <laughs> well, I may be getting off, uh, off point here a little bit, but we all have tastes. We prefer something over something else. In fact, you could say that we, we tend to lean one direction. We, we tend to lean a lot in life. As we talk today about finding our balance, it's really important that we discover what it is that Jesus really talked about in uh, how we lean and how we establish our firm footing. I want to read for you John chapter 1. It's in your notes today. It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And in verse 14 he said, And then the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son, talking about Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
The Gospel of John begins with a picture of God entering our world and making himself known in the person of Jesus. And the Apostle John introduces Jesus to the world, and in doing so, he chooses to do that by declaring that Jesus came full of grace and truth. As you read the written word of God, the the, the thing that we get to hold in our hand, you see God's grace and you see his truth manifest throughout all of it. And then Jesus came. We call him the living word. And he came full of grace and truth, perfectly personified both. As I mentioned, we we live in an either-or world. And the church has certainly reflected that over the centuries. But according to Jesus... These two subjects, grace and truth, are not an either-or topic. In church history, there's been plenty of a pendulum swinging that's caused us to move from one side to the other. Do we show grace or do we speak truth? In different eras, the world and the church has tended to swing all the way towards grace, and it, and it got out of balance. But then it overcorrected and swung all the way back over to truth and gets out of balance again, and then the pendulum starts to swing back and forth. In fact, throughout church history, many historians call it the pendulum swing in, in church history. And this topic is extremely important. In fact, it's become one of the most divisive subjects in church history today, in, in the church today. But it's not the first time. It's not the first time that this has been a, a hot topic. In fact, It's been in constant tension in the church since its inception because, again, humanity tends to swing the pendulum from one side or the other. We we tend to lean. But Scripture says that Jesus came in a full measure of both. Jesus lived a both-and life, not an either-or, both-and life. So throughout his ministry, you see him committed to both compassion for people and passion for the truth, both fully Rather than viewing grace and truth as being in opposition to each other and feeling the need to choose one or the other, Jesus believed and he demonstrated this. He lived it out. Both are essential in representing the Father's heart and in transforming the lives of his people. So Jesus showed compassion for people. And you read that throughout the Gospels. The Gospel is filled with his grace. But Jesus also came with a passion for the truth, and he spoke words that people needed to hear, even even if they didn't want to hear them. He refused to compromise the truth. Now, here's, here's where we're at. I'm convinced that if we as individuals and as God's church, if we're to truly reflect our Savior and to fulfill his purpose for us in the world, we have to learn how to combine both grace and truth the way that Jesus did. We have to have compassion for people and passion for the truth. Not one instead of the other, not one more than the other, but both together in fullness. Because truth without grace or grace without truth gets us out of balance. So Martin Luther said it this way, the devil doesn't care which side of the horse we fall off as long as we don't stay in the saddle. We've got to find some firm footing, one stirrup of truth and one stirrup of grace in our life because it's the fullness of these two things that's our only hope to fully represent our Savior. 
So I'm going to look at these two attributes closely today. Um, When I say closely, I need to let you know I finished my sermon last night at about midnight. Now, normally I get my sermons done around noon on Friday or so, but there's so much information on this topic. This could have easily been a three or four week sermon series. And so I was trying to condense it, trying to consolidate it down to just what are we going to talk about today? And so we're just going to take one piece of this. Again, I, I realize there's so much richness throughout Scripture, throughout the life of Jesus himself. You could spend forever diving into how, how Jesus just beautifully modeled these. But we're going to take just a snapshot, all right? So this is not comprehensive. I, there's a lot of people who come up to me and they'll say, um, you should have mentioned this. And my response is, if I had 15 more minutes, I would have said all of it. So there's, there's a lot to be said on this, and we're just going to focus on a few things here, okay? Grace. Grace is God's passion for his people. It's his passion for his people. Biblically, the origin of grace is God himself. Grace comes from him. The word is charis in the Greek. That's the original that it was written in. It's the unmerited love and favor of God. I like that. Unmerited, undeserved. We didn't do anything to earn it. It's the picture of God leaning towards us to share his goodness. That's a good picture. God leaning towards you to share his goodness. That's a picture of grace. You could say that grace is love in action. In fact, there's a pastor, J.H. Jowett, that identified grace as God's holy love on the move. It's an action. It's, It's God's love in action. It's the freely given, unmerited favor and love of God. David writes in Psalms, this uh, little phrase that he uses, he he said in Psalm chapter 8, verse 4, he said, what is mankind that you're mindful of him? Who are we to deserve your love? What have we done to earn that? Well, the answer is grace. Nothing. You didn't earn it. Grace is unmerited. It's undeserved love and favor of God. And so you read through the scriptures and you see God's grace manifested all over the place. And then we see it in the life of Jesus. And as his people, we're called to show the same grace in the world today. So let's look at a couple aspects of this. God's grace. Grace offers everyone the gift of salvation. Grace offers everyone the gift of salvation I realize we're going to jump through some notes here pretty quickly. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's by grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't do something. You didn't deserve. This is by grace. He goes on to say, This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of your works so that, so that you can't boast. This isn't something that you earned. You've been saved by grace. Now, this is a key. You didn't earn it. It's not about your spiritual condition. You didn't get to a point where you qualified for grace. And you know why? Because grace is unmerited. Grace falls on everyone. That means that God's grace falls on unbelievers. People who have not yet said yes to Jesus Christ because it's not about your spiritual condition. It's about his position, not yours. It's him Leaning into you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, 
God's grace is his unmerited love and his care. It knows no boundaries. It knows no borders. It knows no limitations. It's because God cares about you. He cares about the whole world. In fact, Scripture tells us that it's not his will that anyone would perish, but that all the world would turn from their sins and come to repentance. The book of John tells us that God sent his son so that all men through him might be saved. So I like to say this. I like to say that grace is a fearless evangelist. Grace is not intimidated at all by the one that it reaches out to. There's this beautiful parable that Jesus tells. It's the parable of the sower. It's found in Matthew. I believe it's chapter 13. Um, and many of you may be familiar with it. It's basically the story of, of, a, of a farmer, the, a, a sower, someone who goes out and he spreads seed everywhere. And what's so significant about this story that Jesus tells is that the sower did not look at the soil. And he didn't say, that's good soil. That's bad soil. That's good soil. That's not good soil. The sower went out and he sowed seed everywhere. Some of it grew, some of it didn't. What often happens in our life is that we get so fixed on this condition of the soil rather on God's heart for sowing. In this passage, some of the seed grows, some of it doesn't. We focus oftentimes on what people are doing and maybe we focus on what they're doing wrong and we get caught up in those specifics and guess what that's none of our business when it comes to grace our business is to freely radically sow the seed sow the gospel Jesus said everywhere God loves everyone right where they are in the condition that they are no change listen to this no change is required for salvation it's God leaning to you. Now, we're going to talk about truth in just a little bit, but no change is required for salvation. Scripture says, but that you believe. Can you believe? Can you believe in him? Can you put your faith and your trust in him? That's salvation. It's not about you qualifying for something. Grace is unmerited love and care of the Father leaning into you. The second thing is that grace gives believers space for growth. Have you ever thought, man, I just keep blowing it. God, I just can't seem to get it right. Even the Apostle Paul said, the thing that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. That's what I end up doing. The very thing that I don't want to do is what I end up doing. But then he went on to say this, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you guys know that growth is a process? It's not instantaneous. It takes time, and grace gives us space for growth. It lifts our heads when we make mistakes. I've said this a couple of times, and I, I believe it takes a while to soak in God's in it for the long haul with you. He saved you. But he knows that there's change that needs to happen in your life, and he is willing to invest in you for your whole lifetime. That's, his, that's the depth of his love. It's not get it right, right now or get out. It's I'm willing to invest in you. I've got patience. That's what grace is. It's extending that. Aren't you, aren't you grateful for grace in your own life? 
that God leaned into you right where you were. He leaned to you and he met you right there. And as he calls you and as he wants to shape you, we're going to talk about truth in just a minute. He has patience. And he has grace with you, even after you've said yes. In your walk with the Lord, when you make mistakes, when you don't live up to something someday, God's grace is there again. It's God leaning in our direction. I want to talk just a moment about how we interact with others when it comes to grace. Because we've kind of focused a little bit on um, how we receive it and how we view it. But what about how, how we interact with others? Oftentimes, kind of like we were talking about with the sower and with that story, oftentimes we, we'll get critical. We'll, we'll judge the soil or we'll judge the plant that's growing. We hold people to a really high standard of maturity, and maybe they've been saved for just a short amount of time, and yet we hold them to the standard of, of the same people who maybe have been following Christ for, for 40 years. And we get caught up in that stuff as Christians oftentimes. You're not where you should be. Listen, most people know they're not where, they're, they're where they should be. Our job as believers is not to point at people, it's to point to Christ. Listen, here, this, this is who we're going after. I, I know that you've, you've made mistakes, so have I, but listen, this is who we're focused on. This is who we want to become like. Let's do this. Let's do this together. It's not to point fingers at people. Grace doesn't point fingers at people. It points to Christ all the time. I think God's grace gives space for growth, but we as God's people often don't. We don't give people that space, and we expect things very quickly. And yet when we look at our own lives, we realize that's not the path that we're on. We need grace, and we need to extend grace. So being full of grace is half of this blueprint. Okay, The other half involves truth, and I want to look at that for a moment. Now, truth is it's the content of God's plans and his precepts for us. And just like grace, it originates with him. It, it comes from him. David says over and over in the Psalms, how I love your word, how I love your precepts. They're life to me. This word truth comes from the Greek aletheia, and it means fact, reality. This is how it really is. So let me say quickly what this reality is, okay? As we mentioned, God loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to just leave you there. So to put it in our context today, God's grace says, come as you are. God's truth says, but don't stay as you are. God wants to shape you. He wants to do something in you. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And I want to talk about a couple aspects of truth. These are in your notes as well. Number one, truth leads us into freedom. We've talked about this off and on over the last um, series that we, we did on transformation. Truth leads us into freedom. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 32, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So truth, truth sets us free, and not just out of something, but into something. It directs us out of sin and bondage and towards God's blessings and his promises. In fact, you could say that God's truth is what ushers in his promises. We all want his promises, don't we? We want his blessings. We want his fullness. We want all of that. Truth is what leads us into his promises. It leads us into God's 
fullness. In order for us to become everything that God has called us to be, we need his truth to guide and direct us. Here's the second thing. Truth shapes us into Christ's image. It shapes us into Christ's image. There's a a church word that we use a lot. Uh, um, The word is sanctification. Sanctification basically is, is a word that describes a process of becoming holy like Jesus. Sanctification is this process of becoming holy like Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. He's praying to the Father in John chapter 17. He's praying to the Father. He's praying for us. And he's saying, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Truth shapes us into Christ's image. It sanctifies us. So while God's grace saves us, God's truth sanctifies us. Do you see how these are so important that they're the fullness of both? God's grace saves us. God's truth sanctifies us. It's what guides us and it's what shapes us. So I said earlier, grace is God leaning into you. Truth is you leaning back into God. That's what a relationship is, isn't it? That's what it's supposed to be. If my wife tells me every single day, I love you, Patrick, and I just say, thank you. And the next day she says, I really love you, Patrick, and I go, thanks. And she's leaning into me. Listen, there's no relationship until I lean back into her and I say, and I love you too. A lot of times we love receiving God's grace. We love it when he leans into us. God's truth is when we reciprocate it and we lean into him. God's grace meets us where we are. God's truth is when we meet him where he is. Do you see how important it is in the life of a believer when God calls us to be a disciple of of his son Jesus that both of these are present? It's what a true relationship looks like now let's talk again about our interaction with others, and this time in regards to truth. There's this horrible passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and I think we're going to put it up on the screen here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, here it is. But speaking the truth in love. Now seriously, are we any good at that? No, let's be honest. Um, it's tough. It's tough to speak the truth in love. And oftentimes we speak way too fast. As part of our problem is we don't slow down and we don't say, how do I do this with love? Speaking the truth in love, we're, we are to grow up in, in all aspects, in every way, and to him who is the head, and to Christ. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow to be just like him. Man, this is a tough concept for us. How do you speak truth and love? How do you speak truth with grace? How do you marry those two together? Because listen, grace is often the vehicle that God chooses to deliver his truth. It's so important that we we know how to do this. The full power of truth is unleashed when it's spoken out of love for someone. We earn an audience. We earn a listening ear with our grace. People will listen to us. They will receive, and it allows the truth to impact the heart of the hearer in the way that God intended it. 
So this is important when we're talking about speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is not focused on just making us feel good about ourselves. Speaking the truth in love is not focused on just making us feel accepted as we are. It's focused on helping us become more like Christ. Speaking the truth in love is leading us towards change. If my seven-year-old comes to me and says, Dad, I'm sorry for drawing on the kitchen wall with a Sharpie. And I say, I forgive you. And I paint over the wall. And my seven-year-old comes to me again and says, Dad, I'm sorry for drawing on the kitchen wall with a Sharpie again. And I say, I forgive you. And I paint over the wall. And she comes to me a third time and she says, Dad, I'm sorry for drawing on the kitchen wall with a Sharpie again. How many of you know it's time for her to stop drawing on the kitchen wall? (laughs) Oftentimes we just keep saying you're forgiven. And we don't communicate that change is needed. It's okay. God's grace is there. It's okay. You're forgiven. When the only thing that we extend to people is grace, they're falling short of becoming who Christ is calling them to be. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Truth and love is when Jesus says, you're forgiven, but change is needed. In order for you to become who I've called you to be, there's some change that's going to need to happen. And sometimes that means on our part, speaking words that are difficult for our friends to hear. Oftentimes that's what love requires, though. It's what Jesus did. You think about the number of times that he spoke tough words. In fact, there were a couple of times in the, in the scripture and in, in the gospels where, where his disciples, some of them turned around and left after he spoke tough words of love because the scripture said it was too tough for them. They couldn't, they couldn't accept it. Here's what Paul said, this, this passage in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul, who's loving on this church in Galatia, and he said, have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? We feel that we're stuck in this catch-22 where if we say what we're needing to say, that our friends is going to turn on us. And so sometimes we have to decide, are we going to share the truth or are we going to share, show grace? And Jesus said, yes. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth with grace. Speaking truth with grace is one of the highest acts of love that we can share. Grace meets you where you are, but truth calls you to become like Christ. God loves you right where you are, but he didn't want to leave you there. That's grace and truth. I want to wrap up by looking at the combination of these two. So we, we talked about grace and what that is. We talked about truth and what that is. Now let's talk about why truth and grace are to be married together, why it's so important, so, so vital, uh, because it's our best opportunity to fully represent Jesus if we can be full of both. We started this morning in John chapter 1. John said that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And then just a couple of verses later, John actually repeats it. And he says, Moses came, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. 
One of the best examples that we have in Scripture is the story of this uh, adulterous woman that's in John chapter 8. And you may be familiar with this story as well. But basically, the religious leaders bring to Jesus a woman who is caught in adultery. She was guilty. There was no question about it. It wasn't a trial to determine if she was guilty or innocent. It was, what do we do with her now? A guilty woman. Jesus showed her amazing grace. He said, I do not condemn you. You made a mistake. You did something wrong. You sinned. I do not condemn you. And he showed grace. And he immediately followed it up and he said, but now go and sin no more. It's just a perfect picture, isn't it? Man, I wished I was like that my whole life. <laughs> I wished every situation that came up where I was faced with, do, well, do I lean to grace? Do I learn to lean to truth? That I could just model Jesus. I could step back and say, God, help me get this right. I think that's wisdom for us. That we just need to have some patience and step back and say, God, help me get this right. Jesus didn't say that what this woman did was okay. He said, I do not condemn you but you need to change. That's grace and truth. And John said he came full of both. And then Jesus, his last words, his last command to the church, he leaves this earth giving the great commission. And I want to look at that because grace and truth, number two, fulfills the great commission. It fulfills the great commission. So the last instruction of Jesus is found in Matthew chapter 28. And he says this, go then to all people everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. This begs the question, what is a disciple? Because it's what Jesus' command is. It's like the, it, we call it the Great Commission because it's Jesus' charge to us, the church. This is what you're supposed to do. This is your mission, your commission. This is your mission, what you're charged to do. Go make disciples. And what did Jesus say a disciple was? Well, he said, they're going to know that you're my disciples by your love, and I'm going to know that you're truly my disciple if you live out my word. Grace and truth. And I want you to see this. Someone who is filled with grace and truth is what Jesus calls a disciple. It's how we're called to walk, and it's what we're charged to do as a church. And this would be great to write down somewhere. Grace and truth is the fullness of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Receiving grace. leaning toward God leans towards you and and. Following the truth, you leaning back towards him. They're going to know you're my disciples by your love, and I'm going to know because you live out my word. It's grace and truth. And I really want you to grasp how these two work so beautifully together today because we're called to extend both. You and I have this, this call upon our life to be a disciple and to make disciples. We're called 
to extend both to the world around us. It's a world that's in need of the gospel. And here, here's Jesus called the gospel the narrow way by which we enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to think about this. This is my last, last statement here. This is, this is Twitter worthy. This is like solid stuff, okay? Grace invites everyone to the narrow way. Truth says, nonetheless, it is a narrow way. This morning, Jesus offers both grace and truth to us. You may find yourself in a situation right now as you're sitting in this room where you're in need of God's grace. You may find yourself in a situation where you're in need of following God's truth and you say, Lord, I've, I've, I need your forgiveness, but God, I need more than your forgiveness. I need change. You know what spiritual maturity is? Is not when we've arrived at perfection. It's when we get to the place where we recognize that we need more of Jesus inside of us. That there's things in our lives that, that are probably not where they should be. And, and we are in a place where we desperately need God's truth to lead us into his purposes and lead us into his promises and lead us into everything that he's got for us. We, spiritual maturity is when we get to that place where we say, I, I need change. This morning, we're getting ready to, to wrap up. We're gonna go into a time of communion here in just a minute. But before we do that, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus in those two ways. Maybe it's saying, um, Lord, I need your grace. Maybe you've never asked for his grace. Maybe you've never received it. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, forgive me. I've made some mistakes along the way. And, and I just want to give my life to you now. I want to follow you. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. So if that's you, I want to encourage everybody, just bow your head, close your eyes. This is just a holy moment between you and the Lord. And nobody needs to be looking around. This is just between you and God. And I want to encourage you, if, if you're there, if, maybe that's you. And I want to encourage you to just pray this prayer with me. You can say, Jesus, I need your grace right now. And I know that I've not done anything to earn it. I've not done anything to deserve it. But I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and that you would be the Lord of my life from this day forward. And God, I ask that you'd help me to grow and change, to be more and more like your son Jesus. I recognize that there are things in my life that need to change. I need your truth and I need your grace. Give me the power to follow you all of my days. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, maybe it's the very first time, maybe it's the first time in a long time, and you just, you just want to get right with God again, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. On the back of your connection card, it was in your bulletin today, is a, uh, it's a box that says yes. And I want to encourage you, just take a moment. If you prayed that prayer, and if, it, if you meant that from your heart, Take that, that box, uh, take that paper and check that box that says yes. And in just a moment, we're gonna have some prayer teams at the front of, of our worship center at the end of our service. And they're gonna be here just to pray with you. Any, any questions that you have, any concerns that you have, any prayer requests, we're here to pray with you. But here's what I'd like to ask you to do. If you filled out that card, if you checked it, if you prayed that prayer with me, take that card to one of these prayer teams and um, they'd love to pray with you right now. If, if that feels just 
super uncomfortable to you, that's okay. As you leave today at our Welcome Center, there's a box there where I'd like you to just drop that card. And here's why. As a church, we want to pray for you. We believe that's part of what being a church family is all about, like being a family. decision that you made the decision that you made to say yes is the most important decision you'll ever make so as a family we want to just pray for you be supporting you that's what church is about so let me take a drink and pause It's not an either or. It's a both and life that Jesus is calling us to. Full of grace, full of truth. None of us do this balancing act perfectly. I get it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get it wrong at times. But it doesn't mean that we ever stop pursuing the fullness of what Jesus lived, what he modeled, and what he challenged us to do. Truth without grace will never save God's world. Grace without truth will never transform God's people. Jesus called us to do both. Let's pray. Father, we're certainly thankful that you lean into us with your grace. And again, Lord, we've not done anything to to deserve that. It's simply your holy love and action. Lord, we ask that you teach us now how to lean back into you and lean into your truth, that you'd make us your disciples and you'd teach us how to do that in the world and we live. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Every week we come to remember the work and the person of Jesus, the one who came in perfect grace.